winning, winning, winning. Okay, we're live. All right. I, again, am your moderator, David Walters, like I will be the entire day. Uh, but just a quick note, since this is live, feel free to drop comments, questions, whatever you want to do, and we'll try to pick some out as time allows. Uh, but without going through my whole spiel again, uh, let's go ahead and get some introductions from our panel. Uh, but whoever wants to start, I guess we'll start with Peter. We'll just kind of go across and down and over. That works for you guys. Peter? <laughs> no, I, 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 do, I do apologize. I'm not really here. I'm having ridiculous technology problems at my end. Uh, so anyway, I am Peter McLean. I, I work in IT. <laughs> <laughs> absolute game faced admission i work in it and i can't work this laptop which in my defense is somebody else's but i am the author of war for the rose throne uh priest of bones and priest of lies and coming hopefully next year priest of gallows will be the third but not necessarily final installment um and what else i also write for black library write warhammer stuff and in the past, I wrote a series of urban fantasy novels called the Burn Man series. Fantastic. And that's me. Dave? Hi, Dave Rag. I'm the author of The Black Hawks, uh, which is the first of the Articles of Faith series. And the second of those will be along eventually. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> Easy enough, Ben. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ben Galley. I'm UK author of Dark, Epic, Anything Grim Fantasy. I've um, been writing and publishing for 10 years. Um, I'm the author of the Emanesca series, uh, Standalone Heart of Stone, and recently Chasing Graves trilogy, which is all about ghosts and dying and defecating in lockboxes, apparently, from the start of the book. <laughs> if you read the first chapter, you'll know what I mean. <laughs> all right, Rob? Um, yeah, hi, I'm, I'm Rob Hayes. Um, I'm, uh, I'm another UK author. Uh, I've written mostly dark and sort of epic fantasy, things like uh, Ties That Bind trilogy, uh, Never Die, and most recently, uh, the War Eternal trilogy, which is finishing in nine days' time. The book comes out in nine days' time. <laughs> <laughs> Great work. Oh, book plug. <laughs> All right, Ada. Hi, I'm Anna Stevens, the author of the Godblind trilogy um which is clearly now complete because there's three of them there um they are apparently grimdark um my new series is out on 12th of november um the series is the songs of the drowned and the first book is the stone knife fantastic and i think we have officially lost peter except for the fact that he's kind of still here it looks like he's muted oh, <laughs> so peter, peter will be along he's at some point swearing. Again. <laughs> i swear he's this is when we realize peter's actually an AI program so apparently the thing i need to start isn't installed on this laptop so you're gonna have to live with just my dulcet tones i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to see what he looks like, he's on Twitter. Just <laughs> 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 a giant eye at the moment. He's like the eye of Sauron. So we'll kind of uh, we'll kind of just start with our panel topic. So panel is called Grim Dark, Grim Heart, or just Low Fantasy. You decide. So anyone, please feel free to take the floor. But do any of you know the difference between the three? I like to think I do, but I'm probably wrong. Uh, <laughs> Does anyone like know what Grimdark even means? 
I've got, I mean, my simple definition, I did, I've, I've tried to do some homework for this panel, so I've written a few things down. So I've got Grimdark, trying to, trying to break it down, the, the rough kind of explanation I've got is Grimdark is wading through shit. Grimheart is wading through shit with friends. And low fantasy is, there might not be any shit at all, but you still got to go somewhere. <laughs> I'm still working on the low fantasy area, but that's kind of roughly what I've got, you know, it's, all about grit and there's horrible shit to go through and it's all about survival and maybe maybe some redemption in the end you know black humor along the way grim hearts a bit more about yeah friendship uh maybe a bit about i don't know who knows a bit more emotion a bit more feelings and then low fantasy i think is just kind of a more of a definition of the contents of it rather than high fantasy so it's literally that within that spectrum within the high fantasy and low fantasy sides of things so I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> That's it. Uh, it's pretty dang close. Anybody else? I can't take credit for this one, but RJ Balker once, bless him, said that Grimdark is historical fantasy for people who would quite like a wizard to have been there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and Dave, since you're on the outside kind of looking in on this, what do you think? <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I went to Wikipedia earlier. Uh, I did that just to see, to you know, because it's all about preparation, isn't it, Ben? Um, of course. And what was interesting is that even on Wikipedia, they were under the definition section. You got like four divergent uh, ideas of what it could be, and three of them were sneering. But uh, one of them was was Jared Sheeran's, which I quite liked, where he described it as a sort of, I've got it up here. It's a fantasy Protestantism. Uh, where the, the three key components are a grim and dark tone, obviously, uh, a sense of realism, for example, monarchs are useless and heroes are flawed, and the agency of the protagonists, uh, mm. as opposed to high fantasy, where everything is predestined. So there's a rejection of that sort of notion of, of destiny and prophecies and all the rest of it, and instead you, you've got that more kind of realistic tone, and especially, I mean, that I, I could fit right in with, the grim and dark tone is presumably implied by the name, but then, of course, the name itself is ironic. So, you know, your money may vary. Mileage may vary. <laughs> your money may vary too. <laughs> yeah, depending on rate of exchange and all the rest of it. So I was quite, yeah, the notion of fantasy Protestantism, I quite like that. Yeah. yeah. But I think... Um, Everyone's got their own definition. There's like the there are those kind of three or four things that everyone agrees with. Um, but it's apart from that, it's just a sliding scale. I mean, there's so many people who say that my books aren't grimdark, then there are other people who say that they're the height of grimdark. And I'm like, I it, it's, I think it is extremely subjective. It is down to each individual reader at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, they've they've all got shit and shit with friends. And, <laughs> But then oh the, the, the notion of the sort of the, the original Grimdark of, of, you know, versus Grimheart, shit with friends versus shit mm. without friends. <laughs> Most of the Grimdark books I, I would think of still feature the friendship stuff. So I'm, I'm mm. quite curious as to what elevates something to be called Grimheart. Uh, Grimdark without the friendship stuff is just nihilistic and you're, you're back to the Warhammer 40,000 which is, mm. I remember reading the short fiction in, in White Dwarf in the late 80s thinking, oh my god, this is amazing everything is so 
dark and and nothing's good anywhere. <laughs> and then you look back at it later, and like, actually, oh, that was nihilism, wasn't it? There really wasn't anything to celebrate about it at all. Everyone's yeah. dead. Ah. Um, so that I mean, it, there's a it's a niche, but I don't think you can have a whole mainstream body of fiction like that. It just gets, I mean, the thing is, for me, when I, I started out thinking, yeah, I write epic and dark fantasy, and, um, you know, I had some dark elements to my original series, and then started to kind of get more dark. <laughs> I don't know why, maybe it's something I was reading. And then kind of, you know, the big discussion of grimdark came out. So I set out to write several grimdark books, but actually looking back on them and you know, uh, I kind of cheered as well as doing research. I've just got Peter's blog post on Grimdark versus Grimheart, and I can just steal it. I'm not, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna. But when you know that, I came across that doing um, doing the research, and I realised maybe I do write Grimheart um, instead of Grimdark because there are always. I think black humour is a part of both Grimdark and Grimheart, and I think of low fantasy because there has to balance be a balance to that grit and to that amoral violence <laughs> that we have um so i think yeah i, was, I always like the humor i always like the friendships even if the pov is very narrow and it's all about the protagonist's you know feelings it's all about you know his pov and so he's kind of a, an island or a wolf like a lone wolf so his friends are there but they're periphery they don't matter to him maybe a bit like um you know broken empire trilogy so but yeah i think i find that i actually do like the friendship side of things the quest the band the humor i quite like it when people don't all die at the end even though i do really enjoy killing fictional characters by the hundreds <laughs> thousands even um i yeah maybe i do write grimheart <laughs> is it as simple as the ending i've only heard grimheart actually the the term used once before um before this this sort of panel the only other time i've, I've heard it i think was ed mcdonald because he described his own books as grimheart because he basically wrote a love story set in a grim dark world yep yeah mm. yeah um, and that's and that's kind of why i brought it into the fold just because you know he not you know he kind of created you know the term based off grimdark but you know he's like i it's not grim because it's a love story it's it's romantic it's just it is in a super dark shit filled world because everything you know <laughs> bullshit apparently um, just fyi i'm pretty sure there is a there's an uh this is obviously kidding but there is a shit for friends app on iphone i'm pretty sure it's kind of like words of friends but it's a lot dirtier um but uh but yeah so the definitions that i pulled and I had to take my glasses off of this. Uh, the definitions that I pulled for it: uh, grimdark is a subgenre of speculative fiction with a tone, style, or setting that is particularly dystopian, amoral, or violent. Uh, Grimheart, as Ed McDonald puts, appears like grimdark at first glance, but is actually about the value of love and friendship. And then, low fantasy or intrusion intrusion fantasy is a subgenre of fantasy fiction where magical events intrude on an otherwise normal world. Now, the only reason I brought low fantasy into this is because I know a lot of people have said that uh, Pete McLean's War for the Rose Throne series is grimdark. Uh, Pete, would you say it's grimdark or would you say it's low fantasy? Or would you say it's both? I, I, I think it's more of a, a low fantasy. Grimdark, is, when it became popular, it became the marketing phrase of the day, I think. And publishers like to push things as being grimdark, whether they are or not. Um that's hard to, it goes back to what your definition of grimdark is. I mean, as I write for Warhammer, I have a very specific definition of what grimdark is, and that's not what I write in Rose Throne. <laughs> is it, um, 
happy princesses riding sparkling unicorns. Uh, no, not, not not one tiny little bit. Damn I, it. I, I don't regard it as particularly grimdark, but then I'm a fairly bleak nihilistic person, to be honest with you. So uh, is is it going to have a happy ending? Uh, uh, depends, depends who you want it to be happy for, I suppose, really. But no, I, but I yeah. regard it. Oh, oh, bloody Anne. Now, would I do anything to hurt bloody Anne? Would I? <laughs> yes, bloody would. <laughs> yeah, you're a fine one to talk. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I would regard it more as low fantasy. It's a sort of alternative historical setting yeah. with Wizard. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people, when they read a novel or they see a novel come across and maybe depending on the cover or the synopsis or if they read it and they say this has got a very dark tone they automatically put oh it's grimdark and it's it's unfortunately that's kind of what everybody does um and it's obviously i mean it's maybe the case a quarter of the time a lot of it's just epic fantasy that does have a dark tone to it but does have uh, redeeming qualities, or it does have maybe some kind of love story in between, uh, or you know, it has a you know, sparkling ending, as Pete likes to put it. Um, but do any of you actually set out to write stories inside any of these genres? <laughs> I don't talk at once. <laughs> um. I, I suppose so, yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to write low fantasy with very little magic in it. I think the first draft of Priest of Bones didn't actually have any magic in it at all. And uh, my editor at the time pointed out that he couldn't sell a fantasy book with no magic in it that I still don't quite disagree with. Uh, don't quite agree with, even. I mean, I read KJ Parker's 16 Ways to Defend a Walled City, which is really good, by the way. No magic in it whatsoever. But it's definitely a fantasy novel because it isn't historical. It doesn't happen on Earth. So what else can it be but a fantasy novel? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I knew I, from the outset there weren't going to be dragons or, or elves or anything like that in it. It was just going to be people in a fairly realistic historical world. Yeah, I mean, I've had um, I've had people talk about the magic in my trilogy, and I'm like no magic there is no magic in my trilogy there are gods and there are gods that play a very direct role in the lives of people but there's no there's no actual magic i mean a god-given gift is not a magical ability um at least not in my definition so um so no i i don't you know i, I don't quite subscribe to that we can't sell a fantasy book if it doesn't have magic in i saw dave pointing at the black hawks which i have read and yes does not have any magic in um so you know clearly you can sell fantasy books that don't have any magic i, um, I agree i do wonder if our editors learned that now <laughs> <laughs> but as to whether i set out to write uh, a grim dark or grim heart or low fantasy um book i mean i definitely set out to write an epic fantasy book because that is my first great love of, of you know of books um i certainly didn't set out to make it as dark as it ended up um i mean i've, I've told this story several hundred times now but the very first draft of Godblind was uh, was high fantasy um which is quite hilarious when you think about it um but I basically set out to write 
an epic love story in a fantasy world. And that's where we ended up. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, it is still a love story. It's well, it's three love stories effectively. Um, but it's but it's definitely set in a you know quite bleak world and some fairly catastrophic scenarios. I think I did the same with Heart of Stone because I set out to write pure grimdark with a military well, I thought pure grimdark with a military twist. You know, the I'm gonna plug it. Um Hearthstone um was yeah, was designed to be that sort of thing where, you know, you're right in the middle of the war. I've got an excuse to be as dark as possible. And let's face it, I think, you know, without going back into the definitions of what Grimdark and Grimheart are, I think that I mean there's so much darkness in the world without fiction. I mean, if you look at some of the news stories, if you're a murder nut, like my partner Rachel is, and always telling me these stories, um, you know, there's plenty of darkness to be found in the real world. So I wanted to highlight that, especially, you know, in things like war, where everyone has an excuse to be violent, an excuse to hate. And therefore, I think, you know, the darker stories come, come to the surface. So I wanted to write that. But then I found that I couldn't just keep it as this mindless creature destroying things and have just his emotion. I couldn't just tell that. So... You know, I mean, clues in the title with Heart of Stone, there's way more emotion in it, and it does maybe verge out of Grimdark into Grim Heart because, yeah, it's a love story between two friends. Uh, less romantic love, more about just, yeah, almost familial friendship love. Um, and yeah, it's what's it? It's Grimdark with heart and soul, <laughs> as Anna Smith put it. But yeah, so I'd set out to write something dark, and then somehow humanity and niceness crept in. I don't know how. Uh, I did the same thing with Chasing Green. The unicorns that you've got in your soul that are just trying to get out. I keep trying to kill him with alcohol, but it doesn't work. Most people set out to actually write Grimdark, though. I mean, maybe there are some in sort of the genre, like uh, Black Library writers um, who they're writing to that particular genre. But I think most people just sort of set out to, to write their story. And if it turns out quite dark, uh, it, it just gets labeled as, as grimdark. Um, quite yeah. often if, you know, if there's only, sometimes it only takes one dark scene. I'm looking at Anna here. Uh, and then, <laughs> then suddenly the book gets labeled as grimdark for the, for the rest of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's almost got I mean, to a point. What... Go on, sorry, go on, Anna. I was, no, I was just going to say, um, I, I was talking to uh, Devin Madsen, who's got uh, We Ride the Storm coming out next month. Um, and a lot of people have been saying that We Ride the Storm is grimdark um, because it features a, a religious um, practice where you uh, remove the head of a, of a dead person. But it's it's an act of honor. So you, you basically you take the head and you take it away with you. And it, it's like a burial right thing. Um, and people are like, oh, yeah, well, that's grimdark. And it's like, it, it's not. It's it's a religious practice. I mean, it's not one that we would do, but it doesn't automatically make it grimdark. And I think a lot of people are making these uh, these associations now and saying, oh, you've got this one thing, therefore you're writing grimdark. And, and I think it, it does kind of, it detracts from what else um, authors are trying to do. Um, I mean, to sound slightly pretentious and poetic, you know, the darker the background is, the 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 lighter the love story is, for example. You know, you're showing it up in stark relief because the background, everything else that's going on is so awful that, um, you know, you 
where you do get these moments of hope and light and love and, and whatever and fluffy kittens it's it's so much more impactful and that was something that i was definitely trying to do was was to make the impact of the good stuff so much stronger because it was these small little flashes against this unrelenting bleakness yeah it's like white paint on a black canvas rather than gray on gray even though our characters are morally gray <laughs> i've yeah. always thought that the 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 idea of grimdark is probably more about the, the contrast so you know yeah in in this sort of world full of of shit you find a few diamonds and they shine all the more brightly because they're surrounded by shit um <laughs> I, mean, I wrote I, that I, down <laughs> I literally got that and then went for the raging analogy guys are, guys are still each other's notes <laughs> we're not the same person so you know we're all dirk um but yeah, I mean that, that's 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 how I basically um, thought when I was writing my first um, sort of trilogy. Uh, it was like I was I was trying to make a quite a, a dark world, yeah. So the 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 loyalty and friendship that grows between the main characters just stood out all the more sort of brightly. Um, really, it was just that sort of contrast. So I think grimdark has become that phrase for something that contains something grim and or dark. It doesn't necessarily to a lot of people mean a certain, you know, splinter genre or subgenre or niche that has a set tone, which I think, you know, we've we've all agreed is a bit nihilistic. So I think, yeah, someone's like, oh, you've got a scene where yeah, there's the head cutting off, or I don't know, something in my books. It's like, oh, that's horribly grim and dark. It's grim dark. It's like, well, it's not. <laughs> no, I've, as I've, soon as somebody gets stabbed, it's grim dark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've, we've almost got to a point where anything that isn't explicitly high fantasy gets called grimdark for want of calling mm. it something else. Mm. Which, yeah, I don't think it's get all that constructive, to be perfectly honest. Well, I was wondering where you use it as a term to exclude um, sort of things. It's like that polarizing thing where some somebody will say, "Oh, it's a bit dark. It's grimdark. I don't like grimdark." Or there's other people that sit there and go, "Oh, it's got a bit of darkness in it. I love grimdark. I, that that one's definitely for me." <laughs> Um, I, I wonder where that dividing line is, as in, you know, the, that almost the, the Disneyfication thing, like uh, in Disney films made for, quote, young adults, children, where there's no blood. You can have extraordinary acts of violence, but there's no blood mm. and they don't show mm. the blood. And that's the sort of that's the high fantasy angle. You know, people firing lasers or bullets at each other and people falling down dead, but no severed limbs, no guts hanging out, that kind of thing. Whereas you, you cross over that threshold and suddenly you're in. The, the new realm of sort of grimdark equivalent where yes you know the opening of saving private ryan for example could be compared to a like a, a 70s war film in terms of number of bullets fired and number of people killed but the effect is obviously quite starkly different so is that where we are with you know high fantasy cross the threshold blood there you are grimdark that's it and there's nothing in between yeah yeah, because like yeah, high fantasy high, high high isn't grimdark because the people are just killed with magic. They aren't killed with <laughs> real world items, I guess. And and also they were bad. Yeah, they were they were bad people, so all of their deaths were deserved. Whereas uh, when when bad things happen to good people, that's dark. That's that's grim dark. Mm. I'm just thinking whether mm. it's like because I mean, Dave, you asked about you know endings. Is it endings and down to the conclusion of the story? And I always think like it's kind of there is an ending there is a conclusion there is a form of redemption in most pure grimdark book you know the darkest of the dark and we and we kind of think that you know that's i don't know there is an ending somewhere but i think it's ne not necessarily a good ending for the character it's just an ending you mm -hmm. know there's 
that something's completed, something's saved. Usually not them, but something is saved. Um, and you know, they might die, they might not, but it's it's ended. Whatever has, has gone on, it's a bit like saving Private Ryan is a good a good example of that. If someone hasn't seen it, there's going to be a spoiler here. But obviously, you know, he dies at the end. <laughs> Private <laughs> Ryan you, dies. If you haven't seen it, that's on. Uh, what's his face? Oh no, wait, does he? Either way, at the end, it's not happening. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So in terms of that, does he? He doesn't die, does he? He's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Part two. That's it. Vin Diesel. Either way, people die. You know, it's satisfying, but it's it's an ending, but it's not satisfying. And I think you know the, the lighter you got schedule schedule spectrum, then I think the more satisfying the ending becomes. Um, you know, the or the happier the ending might become mm. in terms of that. So, I don't know. There you go. Hanks, are you Hanks died? Thank you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. So that long, spoilers. Kind of, kind of going back to it now, Anna. I have to say, you know, Mark Lawrence did the, you know, grim dark. We're nailing it down. Post, and it's been kind of updated as books progress and come out and so forth. Um, you're still sitting at number five. Oh, I really? Yeah. It's the hammer effect, Anna. So, so it's, it's, uh, it's Michael Fletcher, Beyond Redemption, R. Scott Baker's The Darkness That Comes Before, Mark's own book, Prince of Thorns. I don't think he should be on that list. You can't make your own list in the internet. Uh, See what he's quarter, done, quarter, Yeah, exactly. Quarter Broken Knives by Anna Smith-Spark and then God Blind. Wow. How do you feel about Woo. that, Anna? <laughs> Grimdark. Um... Yeah, Grimdark. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it is what it is. I think um, I don't I don't know whether the books maintain that sort of level of bleakness all the way through. I think they probably do, but I think I see. I would actually say that the second one is probably the darkest, the bleakest, because it's you know it, it's basically it's just a month long siege of a city in which you know people are dying and sacrificing themselves and. You know all sorts of things and then and then you know it doesn't spoilers but it doesn't end with a successful defense of the city um so i would say that that one is in a way i would say that one is probably the darkest of the three um because the you know the third one there's an awful lot of bad stuff happens but there's it's got a slightly more hopeful ending um but as to being number five on the list you know yeah i'm 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 absolutely thrilled um, so yeah, you, you should all go out and buy it and, and read it. And buy some be friends with that. Yeah, yeah, just get a big five. <laughs> Everybody should just go out and buy it and then decide for themselves, right? Precisely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Gotcha. Um, so since you all are kind of in these genres as far as what people believe your books portray um what is it like being attached to a certain mold do you think any books you write in the future are always going to be attached to that no matter if they're more lighthearted or good lord you even switch to a different genre <laughs> people are gonna be like oh they write grimdark i'm never gonna read that um you know do you feel like it hinders your readership at all uh when you attempt to branch out i experienced that i, mean, I think but you go <laughs> Tiana. no no carry on carry on um, I thought, yeah, I just, when I started out, I wrote the original four Manesca um, books, which were dark epic fantasy. You could call them, no, you couldn't call them low fantasy because there's tons of dragons in them, but they are dark and they are epic. Um, they verge on grimdark elements. 
but they are pure epic fantasy, you know, giant cities, countries against each other, things like that. Um, and then I was kind of like, not done with it, but I had all these other ideas from just, you know, writing in uh, four books, you get other ideas pop up. And so I went Western fantasy and alternate history and wrote a weird alternative world in 1867 from my second series. From a marketing standpoint, possibly not the best thing to do because I think, you know, the brand was all about that dark and epic fantasy to in the Nordic frozen world and to go to Wyoming in 1867 was a bit of a switch for my readers. And I think that even though I found new readers, I think, yes, people were kind of looking to see more Eminesca at the time, which is why I've gone back to, um, you know, things like the Heart of Stone, which was epic and dark um, military. And it was set in basically England. <laughs> um, so it's always grim dark in England because it always rains as well. And then, yeah, I've kind of stuck with the epic fantasy. That's so the association. That's what it is. That's it. It's grim dark if it's set in an English style if, country with rain. If you set a story in an English style world, then it's grim dark. That's it. But yeah, to answer the question, I think, you know, people did expect more epic fantasy. And I think, you know, doing polls and asking fans and chatting to people over the last uh, decade or so, people are saying, you know, where's more Emanesca? You know, oh, you write the dark stuff. And I think, yeah, trying to break out of that was a mistake at the start and i think now also people would be like what are you doing <laughs> so i think I'd, yeah i'm sort of in a i wouldn't say a niche or in a rut but i'm definitely in a a small canyon <laughs> i've got room to move around but i'm still in one direction i gotcha uh peter you want to go since you've read you, you've written two different series that are yeah i, I kind different. of changed <laughs> change genre so the first series i wrote is modern day set urban fantasy with demons and hitmen and gangsters and things so i, I didn't change genres exactly because it's all fantasy but i definitely changed subgenres with priest of bones being uh, set in roughly about 1450 kind of thing so i did have a few people on it that were fans of the first series so sort of say you know dude what the fuck is this there's horses <laughs> everywhere <laughs> So yeah, it's it's a difficult thing, but I I wouldn't want to be shackled to just writing one thing forevermore. I don't think of anything duller to be honest with you. So I mean, the next thing I write after War for the Rose Throne will probably still be fantasy, but a different type of fantasy. One day I might like to write a a straight crime novel, you know. So I, I think from a marketing brand perspective, that's where initials come in. Maybe put that out as P. R. McLean or something or possibly a complete pen name when I know somebody who's recently assumed a completely different name now she's changed genres. Um, I don't know. That's a, a conversation to have with my agent when the time comes, I suppose. But I, th I think, as, as Ben says, your name can become a brand that people expect a certain type of fiction from, definitely. Yeah. Anybody else want to chime in? Yeah, I think my new series, um, my new series is definitely less grimdark it's, it may not even be grimdark at all um again depending on <laughs> your definition um, but it is it is it is very different this time um there's definite overt magic in it this time there's definitely overt a type of monster in it this time uh which I haven't had at all before um so i have been having some some sort of quiet heart palpitations about what people are actually going to think and how it's going to be received and stuff like that uh but at the end of the day you know i thought i, I spent i spent basically my entire 
writing life to date in the Godblind universe. And I could I could write another trilogy in that universe without even thinking about it because I'm so familiar with it and I, and I know it inside out. But I didn't want to do that immediately after the first trilogy. I wanted to do something that was very different. I wanted to prove that I could write in a different universe. Um, so I just decided to throw in all of the stuff that I hadn't got in the first trilogy. Um, and my God, have I regretted it every day since. Um, <laughs> it is so hard to write a, like a magic system that has any kind of rules to it. Um, so that's all still quite nebulous, actually. It's just like it's magic, Pazam, you know. So there's no, uh, there's no like, there's no rules to it. It's just like, never um, apologize, never explain. That's the best kind of yeah, magic system. Exactly. A wizard did it. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so a little bit, a little bit nervous about how it's going to be received, um, but also quite excited about what people are going to think about it within the the general, um, you know mind-numbing terror that comes with releasing a book anyway there is there is a there's a, like a spark of excitement as well somewhere rob what about you yeah well i i actually i did that i um my, my first trilogy was obviously quite dark um a lot of people do describe it as grimdark and i'm not you know argue with them uh, and then the next uh, books i released um were happy steampunk um capers with thieves uh, a couple of con men and there was quite a lot of blowback to it um never really saw particularly well and a lot of people left pretty horrible reviews saying what is this crap this isn't more of the ties of the bind uh, so yeah there's there's quite a bit of blowback to that one and uh, i thought okay i'll go back to the the other world um so there definitely can be that sort of branding i think with a with name um, as to the term of sort of grimdark being attached to it, I think that happens as well. I've, I've had plenty of people describing uh, Never Died, my um, uh, Asian uh, fantasy, as grimdark. And I'm just sort of thinking, it's, not, it's about heroes. It's literally about a bunch of heroes who, who have a second shot at sort of redemption and, and, you know, wandering across the world to try and kill an evil emperor. It's not grimdark in the slightest. <laughs> uh, but it's just... That, that term has just sort of been attached to me, uh, I think, uh, in many ways, um, which may have been brought about by myself. My latest trilogy was supposed to be a YA thing. It did not turn out to be a YA thing. It's, it's quite dark. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's what happens when you try and, and set a YA thing in a prison. Um, <laughs> um, usually. <laughs> I love how he says YA and everybody's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a go. And then I set it in a prison underground where there's like there's no light and there's, there's, there's you know demons and everything. And you know, it turns out you can't do YA like that. So whatever. <laughs> it's dark. <laughs> I think that's the uh, thing, though. People love to write. I mean, we everyone here will have the stories that we like to read and what we like to write and we have the ideas that we want to write and i you know i think it's amazing that we have the freedom to do that you know whether you're traditionally published or indie published there is the freedom to do that these days and there is also an audience out there usually unless you're writing i don't know asparagus fantasy or something like that i don't know like veggie tales i don't know it's the first thing i can't explain oh, yeah. i'm to go ahead and jot that down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Somebody yeah, did Grimdark Veggie Tales. I veggie swear tales. it will sell. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Either way, there's an audience, right? So I mean, it's a shame when I feel 
well, I see an author feel like they are pigeonholed into this is why I have to write now. I have to write Grimdark for the rest of my life because it's down to the author. You know, they're the, the storyteller, the entertainer. Let them entertain. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the fans will cross over if they're that interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like I feel like a you know a a fandom is based on not just what an author write, writes about, but the you know the writing itself, whether they find it entertaining uh you know it i myself I, I don't care as long as like i don't have a fantasy writer going straight into like soppy romance or like you know something like that i'm like okay i like you but i'm probably not going to be the reader for that and i think that's what it is i think there's just there's a readership for certain genres and whether or not somebody follows you throughout your entire career they'll probably read what they're more in tune to reading. I don't, I don't think it should shut people, you know, down from reading your books, but if it's not your thing, go to the next thing or go to somebody like that author. And then when they come, when they come back, maybe if they write another novel in that genre that you enjoy, then, then read it. Don't, there's no sense in bashing them for trying something new. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's like people, you know, yelling at George R. R. Martin every time he posts on Twitter about something new, they're like, where's the next book? You know, it's, it, it, <laughs> He's not writing for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 I do think between fans yeah. and authors. I think the picking on George Martin thing is getting out of hand now. Yeah, to be yeah. honest, I don't know if you saw Mark Lawrence had a blog post about this the other day, but it really is a sense of entitlement that is just not right. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's, it's like, been going on for lot. years. I mean, they do the same yeah. thing with Rothfuss. They've done the same thing with with Lynch. I mean, there's all these authors out there that. I if I saw all that, it would make me want to write slower. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, if, if you're gonna try to somewhat force my hand via social, you know, uh, media or something, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna take my sweet time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, and and just be like, you know, I'll get it out when I get it out, and I feel like it's exactly what I want to portray. And I think that's what Martin's doing. I mean, he's written such a massive world with all of these character storylines that if one thing is off there's i mean and you're gonna have people that are gonna nitpick everything anyway because everybody has an opinion <laughs> um but you know it's it's not up to everybody else and and it kind of goes back to the genre thing it's like if an author wants to write something different who cares like let them enjoy it that's that's the idea that came to them and that's what they want to write about and if it's your thing read it if it's not okay nope it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think it's it's like um what you said earlier about it's it's not it's not just what you're writing but it's how you write um because i mean jen williams has got a thriller out next year called dog rose dirt um and and jen williams is an auto buy for me so although i don't read a huge amount of thrillers because I love the way Jen writes and I love the epic levels of snark that she has. I know that that's going to be somewhere in the thriller. Um, and therefore I'm, you know, I, I'm absolutely going to buy that book when it comes out because I, I just, I love Jen. I love the way she writes. I love the way she constructs character. Um, and I'm actually really intrigued to see how she deals with, you know like the real world rather than rather than fantasy world mm. so um so yeah because because of her tone and her characterization and things like that i'm gonna buy it even though that's not a genre that i would normally buy mm. um and also just going back to names i she was i know that um 
people tried to say that she was slightly grimdark, um, which I think is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but then someone else coined the phrase for her trilogies as glee dark, which I just thought was amazing. Um, because it, it was just like, she does take so much rampant joy in just having all of the fantasy tropes and, and just giving a big fuck you to everyone. And, Why not? Um, so yeah, so yeah, so glee dark again. I thought another, another, another G term. <laughs> She's a one woman genre, that one. <laughs> and certainly, to, to add, I mean, I've, my experience as a reader going back over many years is that if I really like an author's work, irrespective of the genres they write in, you know, thinking back to the, the people I read all through my teens and 20s, you know, you exhaust all their fantasy books, you move on to the sci fi books, and then you even read the standalone books just because it's written by them and because you like the way they do things. So, you know, Jen yeah. being a classic example of that. Uh, I do the same thing with music. I think music and, I mean, you can draw a lot of parallels through the creative mm. markets and industries anyway, but I think music and, and the book world are very, very close together. Um, and then, yeah, if you like an artist, you like them usually for the artist, even if they do suddenly switch into uh, Bavarian punk. Yeah. I did struggle yeah. with late period blur though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something you have on in the background. You don't really pay attention to it, but you've got it. So. <laughs> I mean, I feel, I feel like, uh, I guess the same thing can be said about, you know, there's, there's big name authors as well, you know, kind of like your, your Stephen King. I mean, Everybody kind of thinks that he has to write in this specific thing, but every novel that he writes now, some kind of have the same horror aspects, but a lot of them, like they're not scary. They have just kind of teensy little bits here and there, but they're all completely original stories. And there's specific audiences for each one of his series or sets of novels or, or something. But, you know, there are still people today that go, gosh, I can't believe Stephen King wrote that. You know, like a lot of people mm -hmm. don't like a specific character in his Bill Hodges trilogy, uh, uh, which has she's now gotten, I think, two short stories since he's written that. And people still complain about it. I'm like, then don't read it. <laughs> if, if it if it makes you so upset that you're going to go on social media and just bash them, then maybe it's not for you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, it's more than enough Stephen King to go around anyway. Exactly. It's, exactly. Like, it's like, you know what? If you just started reading Stephen King five years ago, I promise you there is tons of stuff in the back, in the backlog that you can go check out. But is, and a is lot of Dark Tower, is that fantasy, would you say? Oh, yeah. Probably it's more intrusive, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I'd say yeah. It's, it's our it's fantasy. fantasy. Is it low fantasy? Because <laughs> bad things happen to good people in that. <laughs> we oh, need no, another panel. Sorry, <laughs> another panel just to talk about that. <laughs> um, all right, so kind of, kind of going back to to kind of fitting in molds. Um, you know, obviously, we talk about you know readers and how they want to attach you to certain things. Do your editors or publishers give you any sort of grief or hesitation? Like, really, come on, keep doing the grim stuff. Or are they very open to reading whatever you hand them? I mean, I would figure as an editor or a publisher, you're, you're, you 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 kind of need to, you know, if if, the, if said author is doing very well, they need to kind of see anything and everything you send over, right? 
Well, us employing any of us are doing very well. So, it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah. Pete, way to keep it grim. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't really come up, to be honest, because when I change genres, I change publishers anyway. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see with that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, else? I know because um, Dave, Dave and I share an, uh, share, share an agent. Um, and I, I know that when um, I was initially. Hi, Harry. <laughs> I know that when I was uh, initially talking to Harry about what I might do after the Godblind trilogy, and I, I sort of mentioned, I said, well, you know, I did like 10 years ago, I, I wrote a very rough draft of a very bad sci-fi novel. Um, and he just said, okay, maybe, but what you might want to do is focus on another fantasy trilogy. Um, just so that you've got a certain number under your belt so that you've got a certain uh, approach you might have a, a particular readership um and then once you've sort of cemented that if you want to diverse di divert diversify um you could look at it then and as it was i was literally just brainstorming with him it wasn't a case of how dare you tell me i can't write this because i think at the end of the day um you know we we pay these people because they're professionals and because they understand the market in ways that we don't um and therefore when he said you know maybe focus on fantasy for a little bit longer it would have been stupid of me to say no i'm not going to do that because how how do i know it's it's his job to know um and it's my job to write the books so um so yeah i mean i would definitely pay attention to them because they they are the people who understand the market but I, I also, I was absolutely, completely in love with an idea. Um, I would fight for it, but and and that's where it becomes, uh, you know, to a certain extent, it becomes a collaboration because you have to find a way forward that is going to suit everybody. Mm. Yeah. And I guess I mean that's also kind of shopping it to other publishers at that point too. Like if you feel like you're yeah. set in a certain niche with a publisher, you're like, okay, let's kind of venture outside, try it with somebody else. It, I mean, is do you think that the whole fitting into a mold is why authors use different names when they write other novels for different publishers? Like, is that a, is that a thing? I mean, I haven't, I don't know any right off the top of my head that say they write one name in fantasy and, and they write with a different name in science fiction. But do you think that's maybe why some choose to do that? Or is it kind of just a rebranding because maybe something didn't work out in the past? I, I think it's sort of compartmentalizing the work so people know at a glance what it's going to be. I mean, you look at Ian Banks, who wrote science fiction, as Ian M. Banks. So you could immediately tell, is this a Banks thriller or is this a Banks sci-fi, just from the name on the back. Mm. Also, of course, the way he did it, all his books ended up still shelved together on the shelves, which I think is probably <laughs> helpful. Mm. But I mean, you get other people who use a completely different name for different genres. Robert Galbraith and J.K. Rowling. Well, well exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about the compartmentalization. If I were going to write something new, um, yeah, I would probably want to do a pseudonym. I mean, completely new, not just like a little element of fantasy. And mm. if I'm writing erotica, <laughs> then I'm going to be doing. Please don't. I, I don't think you'd want to see that bit. <laughs> <laughs> I put two sex scenes in Wait, my. Are you single? No. Are you really trying? <laughs> 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 That's it. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I don't think erotica 
is going to be my thing. Uh, but yeah, either way, I would you know, <laughs> if I switched big mainstream genre, I would go. Yeah, I would go probably pseudonym or even just something that's yeah, I don't know, BC galley, something like that. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Morally Grey. <laughs> oh my gosh um all right so so david i've got a question just for you i gotta i gotta pick you out a little bit so and other people can chime in obviously but we we kind of talked about this a little bit on uh, on our podcast chat but do you feel that readers look at your book as something it isn't and judge it based on preconceptions uh because you know your cover resembles a certain orbit release that will not be mentioned by name simply because the cover artist is the same, but the stories are vastly different. Yeah. And you know, and is it is it grim dark? Is it low fantasy? It has no magic in it. Does that qualify? I don't know. I know that some people feel if there's no magic or there's no wizard in it anywhere, then it can't possibly be fantasy, which I I happen to disagree with. Um, I mean, <laughs> so. well, Pete's former editor, perhaps. Uh yeah uh so in terms of you know what what is what is my particular book about it's it's the story that i wanted to tell which happened to involve no magic and happened to involve uh, a clash of outlooks and what i yeah, what i wanted to achieve was to have somebody who had very fixed ideals that were essentially morally good but had no practical experience of the world going up against a world that was morally gray and then the effects of, of the two of them sort of on each other in terms then of how it has been positioned and whether it fits in genres and all the rest of it, obviously that's kind of outside my control. Yeah. Title and comparisons and cover and all of that were all decided for me, but it was done by people with a much, you know, and I suggest it's done by people with a much better command of, of the commercial side of it than me. Uh, and it has led to a few people saying, your book was not what I expected. <laughs> um, most, most of them have said in a good way. But it's it's difficult to know, you know, had it been so had, for example, I taken the independent route and published myself under the title, I would have given it with some art, perhaps not done by me on paint, but maybe I'd commissioned it. Uh, and, you know, with a with a, a blurb that I'd written myself, I mean, a nobody would have bought it, but b at least the people who bought it would probably have had like a one to one mapping of knowing what was in it. Um, and they would have been the members of my family, and that's because I would have told them. But that really is it. So I'm I'm not going to complain, <laughs> which is obviously unlike me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously people look at the cover and they go, "Oh, look, it looks like that other book we're not mentioning," um, which I I hadn't heard of until somebody pointed that out to me, and then I googled it and went, "Oh, look, it looks like my cover. That's nice." Um, but you know the books are different and I hope that once people have read both I'm assuming you're not picking mine up to say you know oh look it's it's exactly the same as that other one that we're not mentioning obviously uh, then you know I like to think there's, there's, there's no specific enough. reason I don't mention it it's just you know <laughs> I, I'm sure people can figure we're it all out. thinking it's somewhere Nicholas Eames is going what? What? Yeah. <laughs> 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 feeling Love it. There's some uh, lawyer in the I background just watching this as well. Like, come on, say something, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I suppose in a way that's the same as um as as libraries and uh bookshops. 
looking at my cover art and reading my blurb and going, oh, yeah, that's clearly YA because it was written by a woman. Yeah. You know, and then and then, I've, you know, I have found my own book in the kids section of libraries. I'm like, um, <laughs> might I want to move this? Yeah. yeah. There's no way that ends um, well as uh, little Timmy gets the hammer there's out. There's no way that ends well. <laughs> well. I read this yeah. in Godblind. Um, <laughs> Please, go on. Oh, God. <laughs> So, so yeah, there is a there is a strange, you know, people make very strange assumptions based on things like titles and covers and the perceived gender of the author and you know what the blurb might say and stuff like that. And all of those things are outside of of the writer's control. And to a certain extent, I mean, once once they're published and they're out in the world, they're outside of of the publisher's um, control as well. Because at the end of the day, when, when you know, if Waterstones wants to put my book in YA, what is Harper Voyager going to do? Are they going to phone up every branch in the country and say, oh, does this one book right now? You need to make sure it's in the adult fantasy sector. Of course not. They can't. You know, they can't do that for, for everyone's books. Um, so, yeah, but he does get a little bit frustrating, doesn't it, when uh, people are making comparisons based on one particular aspect. And... Um, and you're like, but it, but just no, it's no. <laughs> Don't even get me started on the women can't write grimdark comment or comments that have popped up over the years. That's a whole other panel in itself, but. Puts the nicks on that because it's like, well, out of the top five, two of them are women, so. Yeah. I think they can. <laughs> yeah. But some people are just... right. I'm just so close-minded about that. They, It's like going to Subway and always ordering the same sandwich every time. It's like, that's fine. But at one point, someone's you're going to get bored of it. And I think it's like, why not just try something new instead of having these preconceptions that are inherently wrong and stupid. You know, and, oh, yeah. Like I said, I'm not going to get started. <laughs> You, you mean you don't want to don't just you know pop into the just the library once normalcy comes back whenever that is and see your book sitting in the YA section and you know the it has the uh, the librarian's recommendation tag under it. <laughs> well, that's fine. No, it was more the <laughs> certain certain gender can't write this or you yeah. can't do that. You can't do that. It's like I can do what I want. You know, yeah. lots of other people can as yeah. well. And if it doesn't work, then the audience will prove it, or a publisher won't pick it up. You know, there are right. there are checks in place. And those <laughs> people that have that closed-minded view are just I'm really missing out, to be honest, um, mm -hmm. on some great, great fantasy. Yeah, we'll get rid of the preconception eventually. I mean, there was a time when you couldn't write fancy unless you had a beard. So you know, yeah. it changes over time. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I'm trying. It's been a month now. <laughs> gotta do what we can yeah I, I drew mine on but it's just it's <laughs> rob was yeah, clean shaven this morning <laughs> see now that's, that's a real reason fantasy, why pete's face isn't on there yeah. it's just that's why, that's why pete has to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. looks the like nasher from on. the beano <laughs> It's a little oh, bit man. bushy at the moment. <laughs> oh man! No. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you could do a screen share, Pete, and just do us a quick sketch in paint of what your face looks like. <laughs> just a round circle with lots of lines coming out of it for the hair. For science. <laughs> for science. <laughs> <laughs>
I do well, actually look quite a lot like my profile picture on Twitter, so. Yeah, yeah we'll, 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 go, we'll go with that. I look a lot like mine, which is to say a mean-spirited cat. But <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, I, I know uh, a lot of comments early on were talking about your shirt, Dave. That's a fantastic uh, shirt. What, this <laughs> old thing. This was a present for for uh, from my sister, um, and I'm wearing it just in case she's watching YouTube. So she can go. That's the shirt I got him at last. Finally. Last, the, the one time he wears it. <laughs> well, I have, I've, I've bolted it. We have a little like bathroom privacy lock on, on the study door at home to prevent any cats coming in and also small children covered in jam. One of them was rattling the door handle earlier. Like, Daddy, what are you doing? Uh, there's nothing less charming. Are you, are you talking to the people on the on the computer again? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I regularly have conversations by myself in my little office, so they're they're quite used to that. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, they're video conferences, and sometimes it's just me talking to myself. Right. So I oh, yeah, about sure. that, though, right? <laughs> um, we all do so, that. Yeah, right. Characters are great conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, characters. That would be a good idea. I'm never alone. And yet, so painfully alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's a nice topic on the agenda. Yeah, it's still haven't worked out, man. It's like it's not yeah, like you need to get into your thousand-yard stairs. You sort of. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and our final section: the crushing weight of solitude. Yay! <laughs> That's true, grimdark. <laughs> Forever alone. Um, what genre is my ennui? That's that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, oh Sartre, Sartre. <laughs> no, that's low fantasy, um, mate. Right. Um, so, do y'all feel that these these subgenres are only tied to fantasy? Do you think they would ever be somewhat tied to science fiction? Well, they I mean, are, aren't they? I mean, are they? they originated with Warhammer. Uh, well, uh, Grimdark originated with Warhammer 40k, yeah. didn't it? So, oh, yeah. was it in the far Grimdark, the, the far, far future yeah. or something? Isn't it? Yeah, but is it science? In the Grimdarkness of the far future, there is only <laughs> war. Yeah. 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 I'm glad we got you all talking at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to say more. one topic would do it. More care. Let me get my squig out. No, not like that. <laughs> well, I will say I, I haven't seen it really tied to anything since Warhammer. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, dark space operas, but I haven't anybody said, "Oh, it's a really grim dark," you know, novel. Uh, I've just seen it tied to fantasy. So I was just curious if you, if, if any of you had seen, you know, any science fiction novels in recent years that have actually had that moniker attached attached to them. Outside of Warhammer, someone was telling me Gideon and Harrow the Ninth, which I haven't read yet. Um, no, good. Okay, I'm not saying this. I someone told me the other day. Right. Okay. That's right. Uh, someone's saying, "Oh, they're really grimdark." But I, I, when I heard that, I was like, "That's going to be one of these phrases that's just thrown around because it's got a skeleton on the cover." Yeah. Um, okay. Then I retract that. Um... <laughs> I mean, but, but you're not you're not wrong. So many people have said that it's grimdark, right? Mainly because it has necromancers in it um but it's 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 not i mean it, it's and it's a science fiction like fantasy blend right. um and it just has some dark moments and it just happens to be in a dark 
you know, environment, I guess. Uh, the, light, the lights are off. Yeah, right. yeah, the, the, light, the lights are just off. Yeah, basically. Um, needs more candles, is that? <laughs> yeah, needs more uh, candles, less skeletons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. But, but yeah, I mean, but, but to your point, yeah, a lot of people have, have said that it's grimdark and I feel like that's just now a word just to throw around. It's not, it's, it's just like saying everything's fantasy. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, it doesn't have an actual attachment to it anymore. Were you saying? Yeah. I mean, I, when, when I, um, when Goblin was first published and I did my first panel, which uh, was a grimdark panel. Um, so they, you know, they, they pigeonholed me early on. Um, and, you know, so so like a few years ago, I've I've done panels and I've had discussions with um, with other writers, and I think, you know, back then there was a there was a definite feeling that grimdark could only refer to this particular um, subgenre of fantasy. Um, but I think if we go back to what we talked about right at the start, which is that it's a morally grey universe and you're going through shit with or without friends. Um, that can apply that can apply to anything i mean if you if you take that then one of the most grimdark books i've ever read in my life is a historical fiction novel called the religion by tim willocks which is set during the um the, the siege of malta in the 16th century i think it is and i mean um the the island of malta was basically besieged for over a year and the people were just living and dying in horrific conditions and this book does not pull a single punch or give a single fuck and it is it is just the epitome of grimdark but it's a historical novel it is not in any way fantasy um so i think if you're just taking those parameters then you can apply it you can apply it to all sorts of different things I agree. Yeah, especially with the Wikipedia definition of the amoral violence. Yeah, I think we need to maybe let let it loose from fantasy a little bit. I'd be fine with it. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel Sorry, you know. Out, oh, yeah. Go ahead. What was that, Anna? <laughs> uh, no, you all cut out. Then I couldn't hear anything. So. <laughs> no, everybody just went completely silent. <laughs> yeah, it was just the way. It's just such a good yeah. point. Over yeah. it was just not, it was mic drop. Yeah, it was mic drop. But I mean, I, we we do seem to be perhaps missing a classification for adult fantasy. Like adult fantasy is just too broad. And then you have high fantasy, and then you have grimdark, and there doesn't seem to be anything in between. You know, the the notion of sort of whether it's moral gray areas, nihilism, that kind of thing. Whether it's to Ben's point about does it end badly or does it end with hope and redemption? You know, did the characters get what they want or do they get what they need? That sort of, you're picking at straws to an extent, but it does seem that if it doesn't fit like the Tolkien-esque epic high fantasy mold, people assume that it's grimdark. And that mm -hmm. is, you know, if, if you're not going to start applying mm -hmm. a slightly more rigorous filter, then yeah, you're going to see it everywhere. But then, if you get to sort of, you know, is Warhammer 40,000 science fiction? Not really. Is Star Wars science fiction? So you can start kind of trying to slice up things with spaceships in it in the same way that you can with things with swords. And then, of course, something like Gideon the Ninth, you've got swords and spaceships, uh, you know, and then the taxonomy breaks <laughs> down completely. 
<laughs> so so is, it, is it dark or light? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how, how bright is, is the lighting and uh, <laughs> the are people being stabbed? But eventually, the, you, you come back around to what? What is the purpose of the label? What? What is the? You know, who's served by applying these labels? And is it readers trying to find the kind of books they will enjoy reading? And yeah. that's worthwhile. And as we've mm -hmm. discussed, you know, if, if a writer writes in a certain way, irrespective of the genre they're writing in, whether it is light fantasy or, you know, science fiction or thriller or anything else, if you enjoy the, the way the person writes and you don't find the subject matter repellent, you're probably on fairly safe ground. And Ben's erotica novels, I think, will test that theory. Uh, but... Just you wait, dude. Just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> Can we well, wait will... a long time? Ben, <laughs> a really, really long time. <laughs> but it, yeah, just calling everything grimdark doesn't—it doesn't help anybody yeah, because it, it, it means it you, really yeah. purpose. you you can't find what it is you're looking for, and mm. we we just end up taking a step back and going, well, I like this author, and this author is apparently a bit like that author, and and that author is apparently like, yeah. You know, not also as well, and then you end up in my situation where somebody puts bloody Abercrombie on the back of your book, and everyone's going, "No, it isn't." Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, he thinks it's Joe Abercrombie. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they attach it directly to you, not you know your yeah. publisher or anything else. It's just like, yeah. oh, he thinks he's Joe Abercrombie. Okay, Mister yeah. Mister <laughs> novelist. Okay, crazy. <laughs> on the back of, your, back of your book, like just a little insult. Thinks he's Joe, Aber Joe Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> This guy, who does he think he is? Yeah, end up writing a note in it when they take it to their local second and twelve. So the next person can pick it up. Was like, oh, it's not Joe or Okay, yeah. yeah. I'd like to return this novel. <laughs> the author lied on the back cover. Said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right there, Dave. Because I mean, it is. I mean, I've got a taste for some real. I mean, I've written some real dark scenes. Um, even bits where I don't know if this is wrong, but like you kind of step away from the keyboard and you're like. Should I go see someone about what I've just written? <laughs> I need to seek professional help. Um, and I've had those moments. And I'm thinking, you know, that to me yeah. um, is pretty, you know, the limit of dark in terms of writing it. and probably like consuming it. I could probably, because I'm not writing it, I could probably go slightly darker than that. But there are things out there that are either just too gratuitous or just too dark for me. Mm. And I think maybe the readers are kind of holding on to grimdark in a way because um, it helps show that this is going to be in that portion of the spectrum that is that some people are going to get their stomachs churned by. And I think it's, you know, it's that sort of stuff where it's like, I don't know, maybe it's a, a moniker for, yeah, sort of, you know, this is going to be brutal. This is going to be epic. It's not going to be satisfying in places. Prepare yourself. It's going to be darker than just dark fantasy or low fantasy. So I think maybe people use it like that. But again, everyone's, you know, spectrum and kind of threshold for that is completely different. Some people think a single stabbing is, is dark. And then they read mine. But it is, yeah. it's so dark. <laughs> well, it depends who's doing it. Yeah. And, and the type, I mean, yes, who's stabbing, who's being stabbed, with yeah. what? what are they being stabbed yeah. with? Yeah. Which room were they in at the with time? Ch children stabbing adults, you know. No. Oh, that's dark, man. <laughs> too, too grim dark. Too dark, too dark. Too much, too much, I'm sorry. Um, too, too, too grim, too dark. With, uh, with somebody online um, a couple of weeks ago about this exact subject. and. I think what, what they ended up saying was it doesn't for them what makes it grimdark is it's not necessarily what happens throughout the story because i was sort of arguing that the, the poppy war should be grimdark because um you know it features genocide on a very brutal 
um, you know, sort of visceral scale. But, um, he was saying that for him, he didn't think of it so much as grimdark because while there was that sort of uh, genocide going on, um, it wasn't really happening to the main character and because he wasn't feeling that connected to the main character. So for him, what made it grimdark was the dark things happening to a character that he was emotionally invested in rather than just happening in the world. Yeah. a really good point to me. It's like, because he, he was arguing that uh, Mark Lawrence's red sister was quite grimdark. And I was like, it's not grimdark at all. But because he was emotionally invested in the main characters and the things that were happening to them were pretty dark at times. Yeah. Mm. He, he felt that that was very grimdark. Because it brings that sort of visceral mm. action straight to your to you, like you say, yeah. yeah. On an emotional yeah, level that think, you're resonating with. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. bad stuff's got to happen to the characters you root for. I mean, otherwise everything's yeah. grimdark, isn't it? I mean, I mean, Lord of the Rings didn't end very well for the orcs, but nobody calls that grimdark, do they? <laughs> Bless them. <laughs> Alvon is the real victim here. Come on. Yeah. He was just misunderstood. <laughs> But then, to be fair, it is hard to understand a giant eyeball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll... I'm looking at Pete's image again. Okay. Now, last question I've got: Where's the line between these genres and horror? Ooh. that's good. I, I, I struggle horror, with this horror is usually set in our our world, isn't it? I don't think you get a lot of secondary world horror. Yeah, I'd say that's a true statement. I mainly consume the horror through film and not books, and I, I don't know. I haven't seen any secondary world horror that I can think of in the last. No, Actually, that's not. No, I should know this because I've bloody written some and I've forgotten it. <laughs> Warhammer have a horror line. Now, yeah. dedicated Warhammer horror imprint, which I've done a couple of stories for. But again, that, I mean, Warhammer's a genre and it's a right, isn't it, really? So I don't yeah. know really cares. <laughs> but isn't, oh, I'm trying to remember what somebody said it very pithily not that long ago about what the purpose of horror was in terms of like with the, the use that it serves the human psyche. And it's to, I can't even remember now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch horror. I don't enjoy being scared or or upset generally i mean i get enough of that in my day-to-day -day existence so i really <laughs> seek it out <laughs> by, by means of recreation um, we're into a horror story right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately I do, I, I, I do keep coming back to like well funnily enough neil gaiman talking about Coraline and saying how you know Coraline is like, like a horror book for kids and mm. it's not because it, that upset lots of parents inevitably and his point at the time was a horror book for kids isn't about teaching kids that dragons exist it's about teaching them that dragons can be defeated and that was that the message part. because the darkness is out there and you are going to experience it on some level in some time and the better prepared you are in advance the better <laughs> so that that was his pitch for you know horror for children um i i've never read Coraline. i think i'd be too scared <laughs> There's, they're actually doing a live reading of it uh, for the New York Public Library. I think Gaiman did four chapters. LeVar Burton's doing four. Rosario Dawson's doing a few. And Dakota Fanning, I think, is doing the last two. That's so if, if, yeah. if you have free time, I will also <laughs> be avoiding that. <laughs> I mean, maybe like kids 
It's telly. Sorry, um, but you know, I mean, the the thing with like kids being scared and stuff. Kids love being scared. Kids yeah. tell each other ghost stories. Kids want to go on roller coasters. You know, kids kids like being scared. There's something really visceral about being scared, and there's something quite that's quite visceral about horror and also about you know epic fantasy. And I think coming back to the question, you know, there's it is a really blurred line. It's it's again, it's as blurred as the as the line between epic fantasy and grimdark. You know, grimdark and horror. You know, the they all contain a lot of really similar elements. You know, things things that are genuinely frightening, things that make you extremely uncomfortable or might make you squeamish. Um, I think part of the appeal of, of things like horror and thrillers and and grimdark is that in a way it kind of takes us back to that feeling of when we were kids and we were scaring ourselves deliberately because it was fun because that's that's what it comes down to isn't it is it whatever you're reading whatever genre of whatever it is you're reading you're doing it for fun um i just think sometimes people get so caught up on the labels and stuff like that that they forget why it is they're reading a book or why they love a book it's like just just have fun you know and, and if if what you find to be fun is um fictitious mass genocide um then great you know, I, it does need to be fictitious though people okay yeah. please don't go out i think we've we've got a pull quote for the panel now if yeah. what you enjoy is dot 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 genocide kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right though, because when we're kids, we're so, generally speaking, you know, we're, we're protected. You know, we are. We don't see the whole world. We don't know things. Oh, you'll find out when you, you'll find out when you're older. That sort of thing. I never. So did. then, when we, I know, I'm still waiting. Um, <laughs> but you know, in that case, it's just like you kind of want to tell uh, tell ghost stories, and you want to find mm. out where you know what's in the dark area in the Lion King and things like that. Um, I'm still not over that either. No. And so I think it's that element of wanting to break out and explore and to wander into these dark places. And that's why horror films and well, books and films are great because we can do that from the comfort of our couch without the worry of actually being uh, stabbed yeah, or It's from the genocide. of safety, right? That's, that's exactly. the thing. Yeah, the genocide yeah. is taking place over there. Yeah, somewhere over that hill. So it's kind of like, it's that aspect to me is, is the beauty of the escapism of books. And obviously people want to, you know, they know there's darkness out there and they want to explore that. And that's why people love horror. They want to be disturbed and thrilled. So I think if you're setting out writing a book and you're saying, right, this book is going to be about, you know, X and Y, and it's, it's going to disturb and horrify people, then you're not blurring the line between horror and fantasy necessarily. You're writing a fantasy horror. And some people might look at that and go, because it's dark and it's got genocide and it's got this and it disturbs me, it's grimdark. Again, it's the reader's definition, but I think it's, yeah, and it's right, it's what you set out to write for the purpose of the, you know, whatever the purpose is. It's all genocide. <laughs> genocide. Genocide and wading through shit, if we can take anything yeah, exactly. away from that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've, we've nailed it down. We've we can go ahead and let Mark know. We've nailed the genre. There we go. Grimdark is genocide and wading through shit. Yeah, that's it. It took, it took an hour and a bit, but that's it. We, yeah, if the five of us aren't at the top of Mark's list now, <laughs> after this, we're down. Well, Anna's already there. <laughs> yeah, Anna's already there. So she's got money in the back now. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, guys, uh, we're, we're at about an hour 15, so I want to go ahead and see if we can uh, do a little wrap up. Um, but what I want to do is everybody uh, take an opportunity to – uh, kind of plug a book. Peter, uh, I'll hold up a novel for you since you 
still don't have an opportunity to, to show it. Apparently not. Uh, but we'll um, just kind of go across like we did when we uh, did the intros. So, Pete, if you want to start. Yeah, okay, I can do that. So, Priest of Bones, out from Joe Fletcher Books in the UK and Ace Rock in the United States. If you like gangsters and you like fantasy, this is the book for you. It's The Godfather with Swords is what I pitched it as. All right, Dave. Nice. Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, my book is The Black Hawks. Uh, it is, I don't know, low fantasy, non-magical low fantasy, uh, equipping rogues violence, cynicism, and lots of people calling each other names. It's not Joe Abercrombie, Scott Lynch, or any of the other ones. <laughs> Don't sound too enthusiastic there. <laughs> there will be more. It, it's, hey. it's, not, it's not a standalone. <laughs> For, just, to unpopular demand or belief, it's, it's yes. not a standalone. The Robin uh, Hobbit is not a standalone. <laughs> oh, oh, have, you got, have you got the title yet for the sequel? Yes, it's untitled book two. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, it works well. I like it. All right, Ben. Um, um, yeah, well, I suppose the main thing to talk about around at the moment is I've got, I choose this on my iPad, but I've got that way, Chasing Graves at the moment. My brand new trilogy is oh. free, free for the next five days as of today. So it's on Amazon. Um, free, yeah, the whole, that one there, he's got it. See, I don't have them. I ship them all out. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that bad boy right there. Um, it's about ghosts. The main character dies in pretty much the first, almost the first couple of pages. That's so not a spoiler. It's in the blurb. So if you want to follow, follow a character who dies a violent death and then has to fight for his own freedom from beyond the grave as a ghost in a society that is about slavery of ghosts, then yeah, it's Egyptian themed. Uh, it's the first time I've kind of delved into that world, which I loved because I've always had a fascination with Egyptian mythology. So yeah. It's free, even if you hate it and it's crap, it's free. <laughs> Let's get that little orange tag on Amazon, guys. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> and yeah, you can find that just at bengali.com. That's where all my um, social media links, all my other books, whatever you like, is there. Fantastic. Rob? Well, I'll, I'll pitch my uh, my latest trilogy, which is uh, yeah, that's the first book in the trilogy, along the road to Z. Uh, the trilogy is called The War Eternal. Um, book one is is uh, about a, a young girl who is um, she she's trained trained to be a weapon um, for her for her emperor um, from birth, and then uh, it starts at the end of the war where she loses, um, and then she's thrown stripped of her magic and thrown into the pit, um, which is a prison, and she has to uh, try and survive without her magic and uh, against all the the other inmates and whatever other demons she finds on the way. Um, that's sort of a high fantasy uh, trilogy. It's cover two, uh, and uh, yeah, the uh, it, it's complete in like nine days. The third book's out in nine days. I pitched. Yeah, so uh, Blood Child, which is book three uh, of the Line trilogy, is um, is now out. Um, it's also out in baby paperback as well. Um, so if that is your jam, then you can get it like that. It is um, the the whole trilogy is the story of a war of conquest um, between two different countries and their opposing sets of gods. Um, and it's basically the story of how far would you go and what exactly will you do 
to save the people that you love. Um, and um, there is there's a very bad lady with a hammer. Um, there is a very cheeky half mortal, half immortal god, um, and there are very many painful shenanigans. Oh god! And we almost got through an entire con with that shenanigans. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's seen Super Troopers, but shenanigans. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, well, I just want to, first of all, thank all the panelists that uh, came on today and, and spent some time uh, chatting about Grim Dark, Grim Heart, and Low Fantasy. Uh, and thank everybody for tuning in that has checked it out. Obviously, we have several more hours to go. Uh, but if anybody wants to rewatch this, it will be on my YouTube channel that you're tuning into now. Uh, but, guys, thank you all so much for Commenting and chatting. Thank I really you. appreciate Thank it. You, Thank David. you, David. Yeah, amazing job. I hope the rest okay. of the day goes well. We'll find yeah, out. Got great job. <laughs> I just hope yeah. you don't run out of coffee, David. I don't know how you're doing this, man. <laughs> <laughs> and may, maybe at some well, point man. we'll be able to see Peter's face. At some point. Y'all enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks and so you. Much, Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.